Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of Death Space Filling the Void. Life is getting very exciting. A lot of people are vaccinated. It's starting to get summery out. Summery. I don't know why I put it like that. We're heading in the hot dog season. Hot dog is one of those things that my New York accent will always come out for. I don't really have one otherwise, but, or, or maybe I do. Some people tell me I do. But hot dog is one that, <laughs> where it, it comes out. Jamie always laughs at me every time I say hot dog. And we're headed into Memorial Day weekend, which is so fun. People are going to be at lakes, at the beach, at the pool, some body of water that they can get to, eating good food and, and hanging out with friends and family they may not have seen since before the pandemic. But it is important to remember what Memorial Day is actually about, and and it's about the men and women who fight for our country that we've lost. And so... And so it's a good idea to enjoy yourself, but think about the people who are no longer here, who sacrificed so much for us, and their friends and family. I've got a great interview lined up today, great episode. It's with my friend who I know from performing improv, Kirsten O'Brien. Kirsten is a, an actress, a dancer, and a comedian. Extremely funny and talented. And I should mention that this episode was recorded, I feel like, June of 2020. As I was working through the format of the show and, and the artwork with, with my girlfriend Jamie, I was actually conducting interviews and, and building them up. So this is from George Floyd had just happened. People were protesting. It was the summer, so coronavirus cases were kind of taking a little bit of a lull there, I guess. And it's very interesting to look back on, on a time that wasn't so long ago. Kirsten is is very open, very enthusiastic, uh, and, and you get a lot of insight into what it's like to care for a parent who's on their way out. And then how that affects you, or affected her, going forward. What do you drop from your life? What does that teach you, that loss? Can you move forward in the same way? Well, I don't want to waste any more time, so let's jump right into the interview with Kirsten. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy. Now joining me, I have Kirsten O'Brien. She's an actress, a comedian, and uh, we know each other from doing improv at the People's Improv Theater. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, you got it. Hi, Pat. Uh, How's everything going? Oh, you know, just quarantine realness and, um, you know, to like bring some joy into my life. I thought I'd do a podcast about death. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. On top of everything going on, you know, George Floyd, quarantine, <laughs> constant fireworks. We're also going to talk about death. <laughs> and we're going to talk about death. Right. Um, but it's a good thing. I, I, you know, part of why I started this podcast is, is I, I guess I've always been unsure about why we can't talk about death yeah um and, and i think talking about it just helps everyone absolutely well i mean isn't that isn't that so much of what we're learning right now not only in quarantine but we're addressing all of these conversations are coming to the forefront that people have been trying to avoid for years if not decades that have to be talked about we have to be talked about right yeah. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, you know, one of the positives of everything could be that we're, we're just not as uptight with with 
yeah discussions that make us feel uncomfortable learning to be uncomfortable uh, yeah. and being okay and knowing I, you're all right yeah i think that's a huge i think as a whole you know especially americans are very very uncomfortable with being uncomfortable very. you know right like even you know? even you saw it with a plastic straws and it's like I, I gotta have my pla- I gotta have my regular plastic. <laughs> I can't have a paper. It's just like how much does you change yeah. your life to just pour a cup to your lips? Yeah, yeah. You see it with people with you know wearing masks. Not to like get off topic, but like <laughs> that people are they're like I'm uncomfortable, and it's like no one cares. Deal people with are, it. People are dying. Yeah, people are so sorry you're uncomfortable. And I think that's a big thing. I think people feel that, or at least I'll just speak for myself, with uncomfortable conversations, there is that innate human feeling of, you know, we get the fight, flight, or freeze, Mm -hmm. you know? And it can feel like it's we have the sensations of uncomfortable conversations feeling almost life-threatening. They're so uncomfortable. That's a good point. But checking in with the reality of what's going to happen to me if I talk about this. Well, you're just going to be uncomfortable. Right. And ride that wave and maybe learn something, you know? Totally. Like our bodies haven't evolved from the like, do I need to run from this tiger or oh, yeah. try to fight it. it. It's the same mechanism. Yeah. But really, it's just like, yeah, we're, you're going to feel a little weird. And yep. um, I think it's just like any other muscle where, where you're working it out. And, and It's a practice. Exactly. It's a practice, working the muscle of having uncomfortable conversations. So, yeah, where do you want to start, man? What do you owe? You know, this already I'm, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> talking about. Uh, but, but I guess I'm just curious about like when was the first time you knew about death? You felt the presence of death? Let's see if I really think about the first time. I mean, there were deaths in my family that happened, but that I wasn't super personally impacted by. Right, you know, like, like great uncles, something that, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, well, even cousins, but cousins that I didn't, like, know very well. Mm. So. And how I does that feel? Say, sorry, to, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, there, no, but. Well, what I will say is, so there's a lot of addiction in my family. There's a lot of substance abuse. And, I mean, it's a reality. It's many, it's many families' realities. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is that Substance abuse and addiction is a particular disease that's not viewed as a disease in the same way as, say, other life-threatening diseases like cancer. Mm-hmm. Like, you would never blame someone for having cancer and dying from cancer or, like, shame them and disconnect them from your family or, like, that would be crazy. That would be unheard of. Right. But when there's a death due to addiction at least in my family, and we can relate to each other in this way, coming from like an Irish Catholic family. (laughs) There is a lot of, my dog is chewing a bone. I hope that's not No, that's good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We like dogs on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. How morbid. She's like chewing a bone. Um, (laughs) She gets it. But there was a lot of like secrecy and like a lot of like hush hush and like we don't talk about that. So I had a cousin... I actually had a cousin who was 
when I was very, very little who passed away, I think I might have been like seven years old and she passed away from, I mean, there's so much secrecy around it in my family that I actually don't know that it was like, she was dealing with some health problems, but then it was sort of rumored that it might've been a suicide and that there was like substance abuse involved. I actually don't know. Oh, like that. Final. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. Is that in your is house? Is it my building? Yeah, I think so. Sorry, I was just like, oh, wait, no am worries. I hearing things? Oh! Uh, so you don't even know the uh, again recording during quarantine. You know, I don't even know. And you know what? Those are the conversations that. So that that is on my dad's side of the family, my dad's brother's child, and he had three, five. Wait, hold on two girls and two boys, four children, mm-hmm. three of which passed away. Oh my God. So three of my, my family, this is what I mean. Like I, I don't even like recognize it until I talk about it. Yeah. And the other two definitely died of substance related. Okay. They, one OD'd. My cousin John definitely OD'd. I think, mm-hmm. I think it was either like, it was morphine at one point and then maybe heroin. He OD'd. Mm-hmm. Passed away. I think that was like in 2005 or six and his, or maybe even before, God, I can't even, that's so fucking awful, but it's like all sort of a blur. I think it's all sort of a blur because it was so not openly talked about in my family. When a death from substance would happen, it was kind of like, we just don't talk about it. Why do you think that is? What are we, what are we protecting? Because obviously you were young at that point. What are we protecting young people Shame. from with that? Yeah. Because there seems to be just like I, a stigma. There's stigma shame around substance abuse. And it really sucks because it's so counterintuitive to those family members getting help. Right. Because if we can't talk about it openly, how can we seek treatment? That's it's a like, great how, point. You know what I mean? So. My cousin John passed away, and then his sister also, I believe, was abusing prescription drugs and eventually passed away. So I have one surviving cousin from that side of my family, and I mean, what a fucking... I mean, all his siblings are dead. I mean, that's... And he was the youngest. He is the youngest. That must be so So, heavy. So heavy. And I've always really wanted to talk to him more about that. But, you know, life, he lives Mm in Denver. He has his own family. You know, none of my family really lives out West. We're all from Massachusetts. But that's sort of the first, that was like sort of my introduction to death maybe. And Mm -hmm. then my father passed away in 2014. And that was, I mean, apparent. There's really no, there's really no comparison. It's like such a deep, deep loss. And he, he was, I'm the youngest of six children. So Mm -hmm. he was um, 85 when he Mm -hmm. passed. He was 55 when he had me. So. Oh, wow. Irish Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. (laughs) 
and how did, how did he he pass away he he had some various health issues he had had a quadruple bypass like 10 years prior to that so mm-hmm. he had had little heart attacks sort of his whole life yeah. and, you know what i mean which is sort of a common story he had a quadruple bypass in 2001 mm-hmm. and then yeah so by 2014 he wasn't, he was 85 and not eligible for any sort of like heart surgery. He had COPD. So he had breathing problems um, mm-hmm. because he was a heavy smoker his whole life. And, you know, so like the combination of those issues, mostly his lungs and his heart, just at a certain point, they are two packs. Mm. Yeah. And it was, it was a sudden? Well, it was, he was sick for a while but he was still like up and at it and sharp okay. like yeah. he wasn't in the hospital a lot right okay he really wasn't hospitalized for a while until the end and it was about i want to say it was like three weeks to a month that he was like really in and out mm-hmm. and then was in the hospital for i think like a week before he passed okay and i luckily was my brother called me at work one night at the time I worked as a like front desk person at a spa at like a hotel spa and he called me and you know and I knew my dad was in the hospital but things sort of seemed like they were improving and like you mm-hmm. know he had been in the hospital before and and eventually gone home and right and my brother called me and said I think you should come home oh man yeah. you know that's like the phone call that you dread and right. um, and I remember I was at work alone and it was close to closing time. Mm-hmm. And I literally closed the whole p- place. I'm out of here. Bought a one-way ticket, a one-way plane ticket on the computer at work. And oh, nice. got in a cab to the airport. Wow. Just, Which, I'm going. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And, yeah. And like, God forbid you don't get there in time, you know. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious about that. I feel like so many people put so much weight and like yeah. it can like harm them years after like in a final reaction, or, you know, maybe a final interaction. Uh, yeah. You were racing to get there. Do you remember you did get there in time? I did. Okay. He, he was alive for another four days, actually. And I was so glad that I had that time with him. Mm hmm. And it's, you know, I think different individuals and different families like have different ways of coping with death. It's a very like personal thing and like whether how much you want to be there. For me, I really wanted to be present for for him and sort of also for the, you know, there's a reason why we have the ritual of a funeral. It is truly at its most historical it is a ritual. It is a death ritual. And different cultures have different have different rituals associated with it. The Jewish tradition of like sitting Shiva and like mm-hmm. because there there is something healing about that. You yeah, know? I agree. Um, remembering a life and celebrating life. And a pause to together. like really make that your focus and uh, yeah. and, and go through the stages of grief and, and yes. share stories and, and you know, I remember at different funerals that I've been to, a lot of t- a lot of times I just remember kind of laughing despite yeah. everything that you feel because oh, yeah. you're you're telling stories and it's it's nice. Oh yeah, 
so much laughter at our family funerals. I mean, <laughs> and you know, and I think that's what those past family members would have wanted. They would have mm -hmm. wanted to be together as a family and share. And it's bittersweet, you know? Yeah. But, and there's also, I split time, like staying at my brother's house when I was, when my dad was sick and I came home and, and staying in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I happened to, he was getting really, really sick. It was, it was to that point where the, the doctors pull you aside and say, we're doing everything we can, but it's just to make him comfortable. Right. So it's like yeah. that conversation. That, that moment, you know? yeah. But he was lucid up until the end, which was really a gift. What'd you guys talk and, about? I mean, he, mm -hmm. he couldn't, he could talk a little bit at certain okay. times and then it, it decreased, mm -hmm. you know, but he was really pretty lucid to the end. And, you know, it was more just like a recognition. Mm, a comfort of, of energy. Yeah. And being able to, that's, uh, you knew I was going to cry and I'm going to make you so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, really, no, no. um, crying is not making me uncomfortable. It's everything else, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, but there's, you know, with a parent, there's this, there's something like very special about caretaking for them. Mm. Like their final moments mm -hmm. because you know, they like cared for you as a baby. They this like is the one that up. checked the closet for monsters and taught you how this, to ride a bike. And... The guy who like wiped my ass, you know, like, <laughs> and to be able to like give that final act of care and comfort. Yeah. It's, it's, um, in a lot of ways, it's an honor, you mm. know, that like, to see someone out of the physical world, hmm. you know? So I stayed in the hospital. I was sleeping in the hospital the night that he passed. And I remember I could hear his, he had a respirator on a respirator or oxygen mask, oxygen mask. Yeah. And it made, I could hear his breath through it. And I remember I was sleeping and I woke up because I didn't hear it anymore. Oh man. Were you alone? I, my mom was sleeping. Okay. And she didn't wake up. And I remember I like went to get the nurse and mm -hmm. told him and he came in and, you know, they have like a whole process where the nurses can't call time of death. The doctor has to, it's a whole like thing. And well, describe to me at that moment. Yeah. What, what's going on in your, in your, in your mind and in your heart? Yeah, I mean, how do we describe that? That, like, I literally woke up because his soul left his body. Yeah. You know? And it was a strange... Obviously, there was so much sadness and grief, and then, to a degree, relief, because we knew he was suffering. Mm -hmm. And so there is, like, a sense of relief that they're, like, at peace, not in pain. That's a nice thought, yeah. Um, yeah, and also it's, like severe great loss and sadness, you know, right, when of all course. of us together. And then 
there was also a very strange feeling like it happened very early in the morning. And so, and I called my brother and he was at home and he like raced over and we woke up my mom and we were together. And then as the day, the morning came, various family members came to basically say goodbye, even though he had passed, it was like, almost like a viewing in that way, but it was like Mm. a hospital room and, you know, the family was very like close and waiting, you Mm -hmm. know? So, but it, there was this strange feeling also of his body is there in the hospital bed. And like, I knew that wasn't him anymore. Mm. Like that. I think that's so true. yeah, because uh, when when you're at a wake and you're and you're viewing a body, I remember you know both my grandmas. It's just yeah. like that's it's not them. It's not them. Yeah, yeah. Even because like their posture is different. Yeah, because it was like the vessel. You yeah, know? which I think confirms such a deep spiritual truth that we are spiritual beings having a human human experience. Mm. You know, that I, like our humanity and our personality is not our soul, mm-hmm. you know, not our deepest self. It's just how we navigate this earthly plane. Right. This like meat puppet that we have to, yeah. to yeah, right. this works on this operating yeah. system. And I think when you experience death on such a personal level, that becomes more so much more deeply understood Mm. which for me like affected my own life and how I lived my own life and yeah I definitely want to learn about how that how that moment has affected you and and I definitely want to get more uh, in depth on spirituality but yeah tell me how how did that experience change you then and maybe now Mm -hmm. maybe it's two different approaches I mean it just it really just like zeroes in like for me and I've talked to other friends that have lost parents specifically. And it just, your, I just zeroed in on like what was important and like Mm. took a complete inventory of my life of like, what am I doing? Am Mm. I happy? Am I working where I want to be working? Am I doing what I want to be doing? Yeah. I remember that same year was the same year that the New York City sick pay laws were passed, which mm-hmm. enabled part-time workers to have sick pay if not only if they were sick, but if a family member was sick and you had to tend to them. Mm-hmm. And I remember filing for sick pay and my job fought me on it. Oh, man. Which and, you knew would happen, you know. Yeah. As you say, and I ended up getting paid eventually. Oh, good. Didn't have to go very far. I really fucking read them to filth, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And and I knew I had to quit that job. Because, like, what kind of institution am I working for if that's their response? Right, giving your blood and sweat and tears and and they're not there when you need them. You know, being like my personality, of course, I was the trainer and like the lead host and like type A fucking personality, like the most committed person to this dumb part-time job. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, yeah, you do bring you bring enthusiasm to whatever you're doing, right. and that's great. That's 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 why you're so likable. Yeah. So oh, thanks. But I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Like I, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just sort of like, oh, I'm so good at my job and pride myself in my work ethic, and this is how you treat me. And mm -hmm. I was like, I literally got my money and quit as soon as the holidays were over. Because, you. you know, I wanted to spend time with my family. And they also fought me on that. On Your family fought you on spending time? No, 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 my job. Sorry, I'm only teasing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, to like go home for the holidays, even though I was the oh most senior person there. I was like, oh, y'all can go fuck yourself. I just lost my dad and now you're fighting me on being able yeah. to go see my family. On being with my family for the holidays with oh, the first man. All right, just wanted to pop in here real quick to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by my software tutor. Can Excel be my friend? I feel like during the pandemic, stuck inside, you know, talking to the pots and pans, I was looking for a lot of friends and in inanimate objects. <laughs> but you know, we're getting back out there, we're gonna see friends and eat hot dogs, things are gonna be better. But many people have wondered this for years about the Excel being your friend, not, you know, the hot dog part. The answer is yes, it can. My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. You make friends with the instructor. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. It would be funny if the instructor wasn't friendly and just like snapped at you. It's like, why can you not get this? I feel like I had teachers that would reach their patience limit and just snap at kids for not understanding a math equation or something like that. But that's absolutely not the case with my software tutor. These courses will increase your marketability, whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. Register at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. 20% off! And you can throw something new on your resume. Today's episode is also brought to you by Garnished Entertainment. Are you missing your friends? Oh yeah, we were just talking about that. Tired of unwinding in front of the TV? Losing your marbles ever so slightly? Yeah, I just admitted to talking to pots and pans. <laughs> Shake up your night with a Garnished virtual cocktail event. Garnished Entertainment is a New York City-based mixology event company with the mission of bringing communities together through creative and entertaining virtual cocktail classes. I've mentioned how I've taken one of these classes, but there's other people I know that have heard about them through the podcasts that I do, and they've loved it as well. So, fully recommend it. Ooh, Jamie and I recently made watermelon margaritas. Woohoo! Life seems a little bit less heavy when you got a watermelon margarita. Anyway, uh, whether you're catching up with old friends, team building with colleagues, or looking for the perfect date night, Garnished would love to be your host. Let's Garnish. All right, let's jump right back into the interview. Well, on top of the issue with payments, what else led you to like want to get out of that job? Was it seeing that life has an end and like really to your core seeing that? Or was it like you want to make your dad proud or... I mean, a lot of those things, I think it just, it really magnified truths that I already knew. Mm, okay. Like, I've always been a real risk taker. You know, when I moved to New York City to be a professional dancer, 
I bought a one-way plane ticket, sold my car, and moved to really? New York. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. That's incredible. Yeah. That's so brave. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of like this mentality of like leap and the net will appear, you know? Yeah. So it was that same where I had like sort of lost a little bit of that, bit of that because New York City is hard. And oh, you need, yeah. Beats you down for sure. You need to make a living and like you need to pay your rent and like... I had just realized that I had been at this, what was supposed to be a part-time job that allowed me to do other things on the side, which I, it did at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at a certain point, it was, as most service jobs, was soul-sucking. Yeah, unfortunately. A very toxic environment. Well, it's good you're out of there. Yeah. And that was in 2015. Funny enough, so I'll out where I worked because I think it technically doesn't exist anymore. So <laughs> I worked at the spa at Trump Soho Ooh. in 2015, right before the presidential primaries began. So thank God I right? didn't be there. Seriously. Happening because it was so embarrassing. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. He took the sign off the building because <laughs> people were boycotting it. People I would imagine. I wouldn't. Yeah. People didn't want to stay at a Trump establishment. I still, yeah, know? never again. Or not no, that I ever no. did. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, man. The, the death of, of your dad, like, caused a lot of change uh, immediately. How has that mentality, has that stayed with you over the years? Is oh. that sort of, it, it does. It's still something like yeah. a guiding light in your life. Yes. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. And I think, you know, it wasn't easy. Like I quit my job and I think I was like unemployed for six months. So like it was, Mm -hmm. it was rough, but fortune favors the brave, right? Certainly true. I really, and that has been so much of my career of being like, oh my God, this is so hard right now. This is so hard. This is so hard. But like, I'm not giving up. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Very positive. Yeah. You know, like a bone would eventually get thrown to me. There'd be a lot of tears <laughs> between. Right. You know, I remember not being able to like pay my credit card at one point and like bursting into tears and like my boyfriend lending me the money. And it was like, you know, it was like 150 bucks, but it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Yeah. You're just like, totally. what am I doing? But like, I always knew that I knew I couldn't go back to that job. Mm-hmm. And I I believed in myself enough to work within my industry, which was as a comedian and an actor. And, and eventually I, I got a job that paid my bills as an actor. So right. yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you eventually worked your way to, you were on a sketch yeah. team at, at UCB. You are a working actress, dancer. You accomplished what you set out to do in, in New York City. Yeah. And I mean, it's, there's still so much more I want to do, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, I guess. And I, I sort of like base a lot of my decisions on that now where I'm like, when friends ask for advice, I'll often pose the question, you know, because I'm by nature, I'm actually more of a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why I tend to be like at jobs. I'm like, you know, I'm like, <laughs> you're I'm great. Everyone's great. great. This is great. Like, <laughs> you know, like so committed and like, yeah, you know, right. Sometimes that can be to my detriment, but it is a good quality to have. I recognize the benefits of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of friends who share that quality of being like people pleasers. And with this whole pandemic thing, a friend was like, I got offered back a job working as you know, a receptionist for almost minimum wage and they're reopening next week. And I really don't want to do it because it doesn't seem worth the risk, you right. know? Going into an office right now is certainly not right. the place you want to be. Or yeah. like a service job, you know? Yeah. And for what? For, for $16 an hour? Mm-hmm. You know, and I often pose this question of like, Okay, so when you're on your deathbed, are you going to be like, oh my God, thank God I said yes to that job. Exactly. Made that that person happy and comfortable and they approve of me. Like I got their approval. That's great advice. (laughs) I I honestly, I I think so many decisions, it it doesn't even happen at like the forefront of my mind, but so many decisions of mine come with that exact oh do I want to be able to say I, I you know went to bed early every night on my yeah. deathbed is that is that the story looking back that I want to have yeah, yeah I, I just think that's such a better way not to yeah. judge how anyone lives their lives but right but there's like when we're making like big decisions like that like job oh well I don't want to say no I don't want to d- disappoint them and it's like disappoint are you them. fuck about that when disappoint you're disappoint them for you sure yeah do what you to do like do what's best for you and I think that's a level of self-care that can only be learned by experience no I don't give a fuck if this person approves of me or not talk about uncomfortable conversations you know it's like when not to divert too much but like you know when shit's being said on Facebook right now literally I had someone make a very inappropriate comment on Facebook and it's a co-worker from 15 years ago who oh, lives sort of I never talked to but like we're Facebook friends you know and I was yeah. like and I was like do I say something because I really feel like this person needs to be checked mm-hmm. but all of that fear comes up of like oh my god this person is gonna like attack me or like hate me and like what about that time oh, we went to go get ice cream that one time and, that yeah, was like, fun yeah, I don't even have a memory of this person, but the fear <laughs> of the fear of someone being like offended or disappointed. But really, I think we're learning now. It's so much better to just broach the conversation. Yeah, the truth will prevail. Like we have to speak up, you know. And I yeah. think like, when it comes to death, so many conversations. This was a, oh, here's a, here's a crazy phenomenon that I experienced and that I'm sure many people who have experienced death of a close loved one have also experienced. I remember specifically the people who reached out and the people who did not. Yeah. And talk about knowing who, who your real friends are. And and I don't mean that in like a vicious way. I just mean like people who get it. And I think that beyond that, because I've been an offender of that, Mm -hmm. is oftentimes, I can speak from personal experience, I've known someone who had a loss or was going through something very difficult, and I didn't reach out because I didn't know what to say. Mm. And I was afraid of saying the wrong thing. And I think it's so much more important, and I think we're learning with current conversations right now that it's so much more important 
to just to just call and say, "Hey, I'm here." Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I'm here. I just want you to know that I love you and I'm here and I'm listening because. And let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about anything, or let's talk I, about. Let's talk about whatever you want. Exactly. Talk, yeah. You know, but I'm here to listen. I think we in, encounter the problems, and I certainly encountered when people try to fix it. You know, That's, when they're like, don't they be sad, and like be like, well, let's drink, and I'm like, fuck you, like mm. I'm sad. Just like let me be sad. No, I don't want to get drunk with you. Like I just yeah. want to be sad. Right. And like. And and that's such a I selfish thing to be well, like. Let's well, I drink. think it's where the discomfort is that people are uncomfortable around grief. One hundred percent. It really takes a specific friend and a very evolved friend to very sit high emotional intelligence. Yeah. To sit with you with your grief, to mm-hmm. just literally sit with you, mm-hmm. and that's always. I always repost it every time I see it because it's so beautiful. Did you ever read the Winnie the Pooh books? No, but I think I know where you're going with the quote. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you say it. You know, Eeyore, who's like the sad, depressed one all the time. We can Mm -hmm. learn a lot from Eeyore. Right. Um, He's alone in his little hut and Piglet and Pooh go to visit him and they're like, oh, you know, who we heard, or, you know, Eeyore, we heard you were sad and like, what's going on? And he was, he was like, oh yeah, I didn't reach out to you because I didn't think you'd want to be around me when I'm sad. Like who wants to be around a sad donkey? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and they make room on the little log and just sit with him. And he's like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna sit with you. And he's like, but I'm sad. And, and they're like, we know. We're your yeah. friends. You know? Wow. And it's that- so adorable. Yeah. And so true. Oh, like just a fucking punch to the gut, you know? Yeah. That one just got me just now. Ooh! Yeah, just, oof. It just, <laughs> and that's, that is, per, speaking from personal experience, that is what people need when they're experiencing grief. Totally. But, when my mom had, uh, had breast cancer, I just remember- yeah, my mom, she had breast cancer in like 2011 and, and yeah. recovered, thank God. And, yeah. you know, just like you were saying, I remember the friends who just like brought over a pizza because I was staying at my parents' house and stuff yeah. like that. And it was just like, that's it, man. That's like, that, yeah. that means the world to people going yes. through that. means the world. Just sit with me. Just show up. Yeah. Just show up, just like hold... And that's like this whole idea, you know, it's like sort of like a buzzword and maybe gets made fun of as like a woo-woo holistic thing of like holding space for someone. But it really, like, that's what it is. You're Mm -hmm. saying, I am giving you the emotional space right now to express yourself however you need and I will witness it. Mm -hmm. Something to like being seen. Totally to be validated of like your grief to be validated the things that the worst things that people do are like when you know when they try to change it where they're like oh well let's get drunk or let's let's go out and like not think about it and let's it's like no if i drink i'm only gonna think about that (laughs) yeah the like any other thought will be eliminated right (laughs) or like 
oh, or like the worst. Just when people are like, well, everything happens for a reason. No. And you're like, my, my father's oh, not dying. Oh my God, fuck you. Oh God. Yes, I see the truth of that on like a spiritual level that like lives and deaths have like ripple effects mm -hmm. that like we don't know the bigger picture from like a higher power standpoint, but that is the last thing you it's need just, to say to uh, someone who's grieving, you know? Seriously. So there's well, that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that with me. You know, we kind of came full circle back to like the difficulty of discussing death. I'm very curious in, in getting your thoughts on spiritually, what happens when we die? Yeah. That, that's such a big question and, and one I'm very yeah. curious to get everyone's perspective on. Yeah. So I was brought up Catholic, but mm -hmm. by no means do I consider myself, I consider myself reformed. Yeah. <laughs> um, recovered, recovered yeah. Catholic, recovering Catholic. Uh -huh. I said this to someone the other day, you know, hey, do you do what works for you? Like everyone should do what works for them. If being a Catholic makes you a better person, mm -hmm. be a Catholic. I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't, the way I grew up in Catholicism doesn't work for me. I think it did more harm than good. Mm -hmm. um, I think spirituality, on the other hand, is different and that has enhanced my life greatly yeah. but that's through a lot of my own volition and research and reading and so I wouldn't really say that I have a religion because a religion is like a institutionalized practice mm -hmm. and like spirituality is maybe something else like I have my like own an omnipresent yeah like I mind. have my own belief my own belief system mm -hmm. um I would say I definitely believe more in like karma, which is like a more Eastern. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, I'm reading a really interesting book right now called The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov. And he talks about karma in a way because oftentimes the, the argument with karma is, well, then how do you explain sick children? You know, like they're, they're innocent. Mm. Like how how could they karmically how can I be a, right what did they do yeah right so he talks about the idea that karma can be intergenerational and that if something is not worked out in one lifetime it will be passed on to the next oh. and you know not to like cross-section the topic but if we're talking about death you know we see someone like george floyd mm -hmm. his death the ripple effect of his death and his soul, mm -hmm. that's a huge soul. I mean, this oh, is yeah. something I see. Very Oprah big rip about. ripple, yeah. Yeah, that not only his life, but his death have so much, has so much meaning and mm -hmm. changed. There's that video of his daughter saying, my daddy changed the world. And he has, look, yeah. about, look how much has already Ooh. changed. Right. Right. That, that video is particularly gets issues. Yeah. But beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, where do we go when we die? Like, I personally believe there's like some level of karma, but also I definitely have gotten many, many signs from my father. Dreams 
he's been in my dreams a lot of times to the point where it was like, I even questioned it in the dream and he answered me. So like, yeah. And like, you know, people, I think people interpret that in like weird ways. It's been scientifically proven, you know, like in physics that energy never ceases to exist. It's just transformed. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you have the life force, the like, literal electricity that animates a body where does it go go somewhere right it It has to well even going back to talking about feeling a body and and awake uh and how it's different something has left yes and where does that go yeah where does that literal you know if you like if your heart stops beating they like hit you with the zapper you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. they there's an electricity there's an energy to our a life force to our bodies Mm -hmm. and where does that go where does that energy go you know and maybe that's the same as the soul maybe that's different than the soul i don't know you know i i sort of consider like you know gary zukov calls the soul like the mothership they talk he talks about how our particular life in this form is that personality and body that we are in at the moment and we're trying to follow the soul's purpose the mothership we're trying Mm. to fulfill that destiny in this lifetime and like stay attached to the mothership you know and it feels like that's getting into uh whether or not we have free will which is a well, whole other conversation. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, maybe not. I, I, I believe that we do. I think like if, you know, to circle back of like what happens when we die, I think our free will is in the human experience. It's like through our body and through our personality, like how we navigate this human experience and how we navigate the purpose of our soul. Is up to you. individual is up to the individual and certainly up to free will and like there are systems that guide and change the circumstances you know right um and it's how we navigate those systems i think in those circumstances well that 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 is incredibly thought-provoking uh (laughs) you definitely have to Send me those books again oh, uh, yeah, so that I can I can read them as well because I you know I'm, of course I have a podcast on death and dying I'm very yeah. interested in, in such topics. Well, I just want to thank you for for being so open and honest. I know you know these things can be so tough to talk about yeah. and, and they live, uh, but yeah. I really appreciate it. Oh my god, yeah, it's my pleasure. I love the idea of setting your own boundaries for your spirituality everyone's different and if church works for you that's great but if you are interested in something else it's all about finding peace and however you go about that as long as you're not hurting anyone that's wonderful oh man it's also so heavy to think about the unnecessary shame associated with addiction in terms of people who pass away and then it feels like it, it typically gets swept under the rug and, and not really talked about. And that's just so heartbreaking. Not the answer. I don't, you know, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but not talking about it, I know, is not the answer.
Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to rate and review it. You can check the show out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. I also have another podcast called That Gives Me Anxiety. It's a little bit lighter and about the things that scare us and, and why they may not be so scary after all. I just want to say thank you again, and I'll see you again next Thursday. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy your hot dogs. Mm-hmm.